Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, the podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Welcome, 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 everybody. We are so happy you're here. As I as I, as we said in our little intro video, and um, Josh, we were talking before about how things have changed and giving advice to any six year old out there listening. Um, be smart. Um, if if something doesn't hurt, a punishment doesn't hurt. Don't say anything. Just just let it go, and uh, let it go. Take the punishment. Have a snack. And uh, everything will be all right. Learn your lesson, right? Correct. Correct. Um, no, no, you would think that doesn't fit in at all with what we're talking about. But learning your lesson, I think, really does fit in with what we're going to talk about today. I think um, it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, I tell you, today, though, before we came on, I decided, you know, I know what we're having uh, tonight. We're going to have some great chicken poppy seed casserole. Um, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are here. Catherine's parents are here to see the grandbaby. And uh, Janet, uh, my mother-in-law, is going to be making that casserole, and it's going to be delicious. So I said, I'll have a small lunch. And I popped in this frozen dinner, and it's normally all right. It was trash today. I couldn't even finish like three bites. It was a Salisbury steak thing. It wasn't good. I might need to check the expiration date because it tasted kind of funny. So I tossed it and I should have made what you see on the screen. I should have made a ham sandwich. I just should, you know, that's a good, good go to. Uh, I like turkey, ham, you know, kind of a lot of sandwiches. But here's the important question for today What's the best bread to use to make a ham sandwich? What you got, Josh? Man, this is a terrible question for me because um, <laughs> lately all of my sandwiches, even my burgers, have been breadless. Oh, you're on the low carb diet. Um, I'm not on the low carb diet, but what I have realized is I eat a lot of bread. Oh, I love bread. Um, I do too. And, you know, most of the time it doesn't really affect me too much sandwiches are harder heather likes yeah. to make little wraps and and i know they're so much healthier um but it's just not satisfying she also has this two ingredient dough which is like a gluten-free flour and yogurt mixture and i'm going to say it makes bread which with air quotes for when that goes on the video podcast very healthy very low calorie also virtually taste free, you know, so um, for like a ham oh, no. sandwich uh, for me, if you're just going to make a out of this world ham sandwich, it's going to have to be on a King's Hawaiian roll. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Okay. It is fantastic. I think See, I ate a whole that's... package of King's Hawaiian rolls when we went skiing with ham and cheese. I'm going to disagree. Completely. And because uh, 
I'll say that's probably not even in my top three. Um, lately, and maybe it's because it's just been on the shelf and I've tried it at the bakery at Kroger, but I get these this, the butter croissants, you know, and oh my goodness. I do all kinds of, of sandwiches on those things. But the other day we had some, some tomato soup and, uh, and then we had some potato soup. So we took the potato soup and then we had the croissants. We sliced them, put ham and cheese on it, ham and Swiss cheese, mm -hmm. closed it and dipped it in that potato soup. And let me tell you something. It was on point. It was, it, it's great. It's absolutely delicious. Uh, I also like specialty bread, like unique breads. Mm -hmm. If we're just talking about regular bread, well, you know, sliced bread. No, you know, I'm a wheat guy. I'm not a white bread guy when it's like sliced sandwich meat. I don't do the bunny stuff, but I tell you, Hawaiian rolls are probably maybe fourth on my list. And you gotta, you gotta have the croissants. You gotta have, you know, I love Italian bread, uh, the Italian loaf. Uh, I, I like that better than French bread. Italian mm -hmm. loaf is where it's at. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. And then I like, I like a lot of flatbreads. So it, it's it's almost impossible, I think, for us to make a decision, or at least for me to make a decision on this, because I just love bread so much. Yeah, and, and it's okay for you to be wrong. Yeah. Um, well, sourdough I, bread. We forgot about sourdough bread. No, we didn't forget about sourdough bread. Sourdough <laughs> bread is terrible. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that is where I draw the line, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know. <laughs> There's so many things you can take. Not liking sourdough bread it makes you, you know, it's like a deal breaker. Uh, it's too late now, but, you know, Catherine and I are already married, so it's too late. But I found out after the fact that she doesn't like Toy Story. So that that, that would have been a deal breaker, but <laughs> it's kind of too late now. But, uh, no, sourdough bread is is very delicious. But, man. That's funny. Why are we talking yeah. about bread? We're talking about bread, and um, we're talking about bread because we're going to end up getting to a place where you know the apostles are really hyper concerned about bread. Yeah. Well, bread isn't. I mean, bread's important. Bread's good stuff. The storm in Mark chapter four, and they're just amazed at at who this guy is that they're sitting in the boat with. You know, they even ask the question, "Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him." Um, and then if you look in, you know, in Mark chapter five, he's driving out demons. Um, he's, you know, restoring a woman after he after he heals her. Um, and then in chapter six, we see this work of the spirit that is that is kind of odd. Jesus goes back to his hometown and yeah. you know, he's just not he's not really accepted even by his own people. Um, and there's this comment there where it says he wasn't able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And, you know, we've seen this uh, aspect of Jesus's ministry um, frequently when it comes to the way the spirit moves and works. Um, we see with the apostles, there was times where the apostles weren't, um, where Paul was forbidden by the spirit to go. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember into which area of, uh, of the, the land he was traveling through. The spirit moves Jesus to go through Samaria and, and meet with a Samaritan woman. Um, and here the spirit prevents him from being able to do miracles um, because, because of things. And 
And so we see God working in some really, you know, powerful ways here in these um, subsequent chapters. And um, it culminates here in Mark chapter six with feeding, with feeding the 5,000 um, at the end. Yeah. Of course, we know the story of feeding the 5,000, right? We have all these people. There's 5,000 men. Who knows how many women and children who are there? And a oh, little yeah. boy, a little boy walks up and says, um, my mom sent me a, a sack lunch, basically, <laughs> with a few loaves and some fish. Uh, which, you know, we can talk about the faith of a little boy who answers the question of, does anyone have any food? Um, there's a lot of, uh, of depth, I think, to, to this interaction. Um, but, you know, they, they Jesus is like, um, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? A lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot of money that it's going to require to feed these people. And Jesus says, who has food? And this little boy walks up with a sack. He says, yep, that'll do. Um, and he feeds the people. Um, and that kind of just sets the stage for, for where we're going to go in our conversation when it comes to, you know, what Jesus does. So kind of thing to add there. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's amazing as we as we're looking at this, how many things and how many wonders and teachings that Jesus was doing. Oftentimes I get I get jealous and say, man, I wish I was there. I know we have the text and we can see everything, but sometimes I say, man, what it would have been like to walk with Jesus, to hear him teach. To see him perform all these miracles, to heal the sick, to take just, was it, we have <laughs> five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 men, which probably meant you had at least 10,000 people there. Mm -hmm. At least. At least. You know, including because you had, you know, at least some of them would have been married. Men were actually counted at what, 21 and up because of fighting age. So it didn't even count anyone 20 and under. Mm -hmm. It didn't count their wives. It didn't count children. And it wasn't like, oh, the average family has 2.5 children. I don't know where the half comes from, but uh, whatever. That's not what it was like it is today. Back then, they had tons of kids. <laughs> it wasn't, it, it was the... It was a prideful thing, not in, not in a bad way, to see how big your family could get. This was not a small group of people. And Jesus fed all of them, which to me is absolutely incredible. And then to see how quickly it is, and we'll get to that in a second, but how quickly it seems not just the disciples, but everyone forgot the power Jesus was displaying. Yeah. They were all amazed, and then next thing we, you know, next next time we're seeing them, they're saying, "Oh, we don't know what you're, what you're saying is just impossible." Time and time again, we see that, and it's just yeah. it amazes me. It really does. Well, and if you if you skip to uh, chapter eight towards uh, towards the middle of chapter eight, and um, there's a there's a place here where the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus. And they're demanding a sign. Yeah. This is in, uh, in, in verse 11. Uh, why does this generation demand a sign? Jesus says, truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. And then he left them and got back into the boat. And he went to the other side. 
And then here in verse 14 of Mark chapter 8, it says, The disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And then he gave them strict orders. Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so <laughs> they've witnessed all these things. And in chapter 16, we see where the disciples' mind is. And what's it on? Bread. Bread. Um, they were discussing among themselves that we don't have any bread. And well, I think it's, in well, well, real quick, I think it's very interesting that in verse, was it 15? So they, they have forgotten to bring bread. They haven't noticed it yet. Or maybe they have, but they haven't done anything about it yet. And Jesus noticed first. And he, and he cautioned them to not fall into that same trap the Pharisees did. Yeah. And then, after the caution, they then were like, we have no bread! What are we going to do? And he's like, guys, I just told you! Yeah. Yeah, he says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of leftovers did you collect? And here's the thing. Where's the remember. basket? Well, no, where's, yeah. the basket? <laughs> where's, where's the basket? I mean. <laughs> but they remember, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 12. there was 12. Yeah, we collected 12. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you collect? Seven. Don't you understand yet? You know, and that's kind of the way that story leaves off right there. Um, yeah. 19 extra baskets of bread. <laughs> now, probably they were already distributed again at this point. But it's yeah, who knows like, how long it's been. So Yeah, who knows? But he's saying, how much did we have left over? And we have a loaf right there. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, my biggest issue, I guess, my thing I'm wondering is, where's Andrew? Because Andrew, to me, at least had enough faith to take the little boy to Jesus. To say, hey, Jesus, we found this boy. He has some stuff. Um, mm -hmm. What can we do with this? He didn't say, oh, it's not enough. Don't bother Jesus. Now, he's not saying, oh, Jesus, we have one loaf, though. It's almost like even Andrew forgot. <laughs> well, it's, even um, didn't understand. I think about how easy it is to put um, what God has done, um, how quickly it takes a back burner to, to what is pressing in the moment. Um, and my, my first instinct is to look at these guys and go, how dense can you be? Right. The knowledge is there. The recollection is there. How many baskets did we collect the 5,000, 12, and how many did we collect when I fed the 4,000, seven, like, don't you understand yet? And I'm sitting there going, duh, it was only two chapters ago. <laughs> um, yeah. But there has been some time that has passed. Right. I mean, they've had time to go from one side of the sea to the other. They've gone back and forth teaching. There's been many other things that have gone on. Um, and it had to have been overwhelming for them to process exactly what is transpiring. And what it really, really drives home to me is how deeply entrenched our anxiety in the moment can be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the way Satan works to completely blind us to the way God um, is working currently. 
that definitely that uh, and and I think that's a it's a very real temptation um, that I see playing out in my own life. Um, that it's it's far too easy for me uh, to forget what God has done and to be consumed by what's transpiring in the moment. Um, and that's kind of what I see with him here in this in this little episode. Oh yeah, and if if you're watching from Holly uh, and you're going to attend Holly Hill, uh, I'll be touching on this Sunday, but more from the Exodus and the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've titled it "Paralyzed by Fear," because without fear, and, and I don't want to give my main point away, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I have, and I'm looking at my notes right here on my computer screen. Uh, I've been saying when we give into fear, we give up trust in God. You know, when we give into fear, we give up trust in God. Mm -hmm. And we see that with the Israelites where they were like, you brought us out of Egypt just to kill us, just to let us die. Well, that makes no sense. That's silly. That's not logical. You know, well, at least in Egypt we had food. Yeah, but you were enslaved. <laughs> you were beaten. You know, too often we forget all these things. Here, the Jesus is like, you, you've seen this. You've heard my teaching. How do you not get it yet? Mm -hmm. And we are, we're hard on the Israelites by saying, wow, they were really dumb. They just left slavery and they wanted to go back. You know, then we say, man, the disciples were really dumb. And they saw all these miracles. If I was there, I would never do that. We have the all of scripture. We've seen God's faithfulness. We've seen the end of the story. We've seen, we, we know why Jesus came. We have the full picture. We've seen how he's been faithful to us. And still, we're just like the Israelites. We're just like Moses. We're just like these people. We say, we make excuses. Send somebody else. It's not my job. Or we'll say, this thing in front of me is so terrifying. We forget that God's destroyed all the other mountains before us in the past. And we see this mountain and we're saying, oh, I'm just going to sit here because woe is me and it's the end of the world and God's left us or man, this is too great for me to approach. And we leave God out of the picture and we forget the moving power. If we forget that God's hand is still working even today and we're really no better than the disciples. Yeah. You know, I think of uh, um, my wife and I have had several discussions, particularly, um, you know, of late. There was, you know, there was a time where we really didn't have to worry about much. Um, you know, the job I had before I went to school, you know, paid us well. Our house was we had a little house that I think our house payment was like six hundred dollars for the house we were buying in Edmond um, because we bought it before the market really went boom. Um, and so our bills were really low and I was making, you know, really good money. So it, it really was never a concern with, with what we needed to do. We didn't have a problem saving money or putting it away. Or if repairs came up, we always had, you know, savings at our disposal. Um, when I left that job and went back to school, um, I had zero income and my wife had some because she was keeping some kids, but it was nowhere near the level we were accustomed to. Um, and our bills didn't change. And she would, um, she would ask me a question when something would come up. 
It's like, how are we going to pay for this? And I said, I don't know. I'll figure something out. And she said, how can you do that? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that we've made a decision to follow a direction that we believe God is calling us towards. Um, and if God has really brought us to this place, and this is kind of the path that we should be traveling to serve him, then something will come up and we'll be okay. You know, but like what? I'm like, don't know yet. Um, but I will find a way. Um, I know I will. It's like, how can you know you will? I was like, I, I can't tell you that. But what I do know is that God has always been faithful to us. Um, he's, he's never stranded when we were trying to follow his will and doing our best to be um, uh, his people in his way. And, you know, maybe it'll come by a job. Maybe it'll come by a gift. Maybe it'll come by finding something on the street. I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is um, that, that God's going to take care of us. And we're in a place right now where we have to be dependent in a way that we're really not used to. And it's really uncomfortable. Um, and I would love to say that I have always been that way all of my life. Uh, and I haven't been. And I wasn't always in those times. Uh, and that's a really hard place to get to. Right. Because everything about me wants to stay in that moment and just say, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Um, and, and sometimes we need someone else to kind of come in and be this reminder that says, so uh, just tell me, when was the last time God left you hanging? When was the last time God didn't come? Not to make a situation perfect not to completely remedy or take away some kind of, of pain or tribulation. But when is the last time you went through something difficult and God just simply didn't show up? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen because he is faithful. And, and remembering that in the moment, you know, cult. and the encouragement is um, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, because just like the apostles, I mean, they had actually witnessed these things firsthand. Yeah. Um, yet in the moment, they were like, oh, we forgot the bread. <laughs> yeah. Um, I find great encouragement that these supported for us um, because it oh, gives yeah. me hope. I think sometimes, you know, when, when we're saying God was never going to leave you hanging, he's never left us hanging, never left me hanging. It doesn't mean that we're going to have everything given to us that we maybe think we need tomorrow or today or in the next five minutes. We look at the story of, of Joseph. How long did it take him to get to the place where God planned for him to mm -hmm. be at? Uh, years. <laughs> years. Yeah. Most of his life, in fact. We, we look at other times when maybe... You know, for maybe it was, you know, hey, I can't pay my bills. I know God's going to take care of me. And maybe it's not, he's not going to send, maybe it's not through a nice, you know, good Samaritan helping you out with, hey, here's some money or hey, uh, here's some groceries. Maybe it's an opportunity, a door that's being opened to take a job or to take another career path or to do whatever. And sometimes we're so closed minded. And we think that God, God is going to help me out, but it's going to be in this particular way. And when God's opening other doors, we, we don't see them as God opening those doors. And we may not even see them at all because 
we have in our minds how God works. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God doesn't work the way we think he's going to. How sometimes. quickly we forget God's work. Oh, yeah, all the time, most of the time. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm not God, because. <laughs> well, and, you know, I will tell you that, you know, I think you make a, a good point that, you know, just because something is not right and I know how it should play out, when I say God shows up, that doesn't it doesn't always even mean all my bills get paid. Um, sometimes God shows up in the midst of a hunger that comes from not being able to eat. Um, sometimes uh, maybe there is um, something else that needs to transpire first before God can actually work. Um, and maybe it never gets better. Paul. In my mind, the, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it never well, gets better in my mind. But God yeah. is working through something. Correct. Right? Because you're going, you're going to go to what? 12? First Corinthians 12? Yeah. Paul says, take this stone away from me. Yeah. But there's a reason why he didn't. Right. <laughs> he, he said, I, he says, I prayed three times for this thorn to be taken away. And God kept saying, my grace is sufficient for you. But Paul also said, he gave me on thorn in the flesh to prevent me from becoming conceited. You know, if you're Paul and you have all these revelations, you've been told all these things, you're, you know, I don't think Paul was oblivious to the fact of what he was writing. You know, you know, you're writing some important things from God, you know, inspired by God. I don't believe in, in, you know, dictation where God's, you know, dictating every single thing Paul is writing. But I think Paul knew he was inspired. I think Paul knew the importance of his letters. And it would be very easy to. When Jesus appears to you on uh, the road to Damascus through a light and says, I am sending you to the Gentiles. Um, there, I think there's an indication there that the things you're going to do in life from that point forward important. hold some uh, hold some value. Right. And and that means I must be important. At least yeah, that could be right? easy. That could be the trap. And, and Paul, I think Paul recognized it by saying, hey, this is keeping me grounded by realizing it's really not about me. And I'm really not that important. I'm just a tool yeah. by God. And even, you know, even the words that he gets in response, you know, three times I asked for the stone to be removed. And three times he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, and so there is this resolution that comes. The God showing up in those moments doesn't necessarily mean that the problem goes away. Um, what it does mean is we are never alone and God is always willing to walk with us. Um, we were looking at uh, um, just the, the the way in which God frequently works when we were uh, talking through Genesis. At the end of Joseph's life, or at the end of Joseph's, um, in the famine, when the, the brothers come to Joseph and they're apologetic and they're feeling guilt. Joseph doesn't say, well, you know what? Um, This really bad thing happened and God just used it, you know, for good. He says, God intended for me to go into slavery. Um, And so we have this idea that the bad situations that we are in come from Satan, but God can use them. 
and that God doesn't ever put us in situations like that. Um, when Jesus comes out of the, the waters of baptism, who leads him into the desert? The Spirit of God leads him into the desert um, to prepare him for his ministry. Satan's an opportunist, and he's going to use those times, but it's God that leads Jesus into the wilderness. It's God that sends Moses into the desert of Midian. It's God that sends Joseph into slavery and into prison so that he can be elevated in Egypt to protect his people. Um, and sometimes God is going to lead us into that difficult space because maybe there's something I need to learn about myself. Um, sometimes God leads us there in order to demonstrate to, to the powers that be, these are my people. And you may think, just like in the story of Job, you may think that it's their prosperity that is keeping them close to me. Uh, but look at what happens when their prosperity is taken away. They are still my people. And I am still yeah. their God. And they are still going to do powerful things even in the midst of that trial. Um, and so we need to be not so quick to dismiss the idea that sometimes difficult circumstances can be uh, a path from God in order to teach us or to teach uh, or to demonstrate something of his of his power and of his might and maybe even of his care. So, Yeah, and it's our job to to trust. You know, I have, you know, trusting over fear you know just for and remembering it's so like a lot of times when you look at the psalms when david's going through something uh, I'll, one of my mm -hmm. favorites is when when david says how long O lord will you forget me forever he was going through some tough times and he said why have you left me he wasn't saying oh i feel alone no he was accusing god <laughs> and saying how long are you going to yeah abandon me mm -hmm. what did he get to next i mean and uh what, what i'm i'm looking what i like a lot about this passage is when he said when he said how long will you forget me forever he then after accusing god of abandoning him he then said but i have trusted in your steadfast love he goes, my heart will rejoice in your salvation and I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So he's saying, man, I feel so alone, but I'm going to remember that you've never left me before. It's almost like sometimes we need to get those emotions out and then we have to come back. Every single time there's an, a lament psalm, we see the following pattern. We see the accusation or the lament or the problem. And then we see the recounting of God's wondrous deeds. And then it almost, almost always ends with a praise, a praise statement. Yeah. And that's when with, he says, with only I a very few exceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Very few exceptions. It's always, here's my problem. And sometimes it's pretty, pretty accusatory. And then it, a lot of times it'll follow with that. But you know, and I think it's David or the Psalms, who, psalmist, whoever's writing, reminding himself, here's what God has done for me before. I'm going to list all the blessings. I'm going to list the reasons why what I'm feeling doesn't match up with reality. I'm not saying that your suffering is not reality, but the feeling of abandonment isn't reality. Yeah, and well, saying, it, here's, here's what I feel, why... here's what I know. 
it's also why God continues to come back to the people. And and every time he has a proclamation to the people, you know, he almost without fail begins with, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. I am the Lord, who God, yeah. your God, who brought you out of Egypt and delivered you into the land which you now possess. I am the God of your father, yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and delivered you into the land in which you now possess. You know, because we're just forgetful people and we are so consumed, so consumed with um, not the moment, but with momentary struggles. Um, and we need to be reminded. And so, you know, I don't know really kind of where exactly we want to kind of end up, but, but my encouragement for people is when you read these things is to find ways um, find ways to create these reminders for yourself. Um, you know, I don't know if you need to put, you know, a daily reminder in your phone that will send you an, an alarm and it'll ring and it'll buzz on your watch and your computer screen and everywhere else and say, remember what God has done for you. Um, you know, or if it's just a time of meditation each day, or if there's something that we hang in our houses or we write them somewhere uh, because we need to be reminded um, God is faithful. Um, God is a God who loves and cherishes us and, and he continues to do so. And with all of the things that he has already overcome in history and even in my own life, um, how could I even think for a moment that he can't overcome what, what I face today? Um, we, we set reminders for everything, right? I mean, I'm going to get an alert here in a couple hours. That's going to say, don't forget You've got to go to Westdale Middle Basketball game today. The game starts at 2.40. You're supposed to be there at 2.20. Traffic is light. It will take you eight minutes to get there. Right? I mean, all of these things are set up so that we don't forget to do the things that we're supposed to do. Um, and we do that with the with the silliest of things and, and the most important of things. Why would we not do it with the most important thing? Um, to have those reminders of what God has done. I like that. I like that. My, and, and I'll share my takeaway and then we'll, we'll close. I think, you know, my takeaway is very similar, but, but it's perhaps after those reminders, maybe have a place to record those things. So you, so in times of, of struggle, cause you're going to have days when you're going to sit there and you're going to go, I can't think of anything <laughs> because you're, cause you're in that headspace right. and you're going to be, you're going to be like, you know, there's nothing good going on right now. Open up that journal, open up that notebook, open up the note app on your phone, whatever you, you want to use and read what you've written or what you've listed out over the last few days, over the last few weeks, months, whatever it is to remind yourself just like David was doing, man, maybe it's not as bad as I thought, or maybe it is real bad but I need to remember that I'll eventually see the other side or I'll grow from it. Or what's the lesson I need to learn from this? And because then we can see God's work. God's work might be working to, you know, change our situation. Maybe it's God's work to change us. Maybe there's some things in our lives that he's trying to work on and we're fighting him constantly. And he finally says, okay, I'll keep trying something, you know, something worse and worse until you finally learn the lesson.
And maybe the lesson is, it's not about us. Maybe it's another lesson of, I need to learn patience. I stopped praying for patience because I didn't like what God was doing when I was praying <laughs> for patience. You know, it always seemed that I, that the Walmart line got longer and longer when I was praying for patience or the traffic would get worse. So I just stopped praying for patience. And it seemed that, you know, those doors of opportunity to display patience stopped showing up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I kid, but, but, sort of. but you guys get sort of, but you guys see what I'm saying. Make a list, record it somewhere and go back to it. When you have those days, when you have those moments, when you're saying there's nothing good going on and I yeah. can't think of anything to add. The recording is, is important. Um, and I, I go back and look at some journals that I kept. I, I have periods of time in my life where I journal really well. More frequently, <laughs> yeah. I have periods where I don't journal well. But when I go back and read some of those journals, I think I really should do this more. Um, I really should do this more. Uh, because there is something really intimate about putting those things down, um, going back and reading them and realizing God has been good to me um, mm -hmm. when I deserved it. And when I didn't deserve it, when I was living life well and not living life well, um, God has always uh, been good to me. And those are reminders that. We so absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, it has been our pleasure for you to be listening to us today. Um, if you're listening later, um, thank you for always listening. We're so thankful. We want to remind you guys of a, a following scripture from 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 21, when Peter wrote, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. It's our job in life to become more like Christ, not just look like, but become more like Christ, to do the things he did, to be the, the kind of person he was, and to be able to reach the lost, and to walk in the way of the cross. And that's our job here. That's our goal here on Crossways is to inspire ways that we can do that. We're always here on Thursdays at 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. And we'll see you guys next week.